Blog Talk Radio. There's some dangerous large uh, carnivore out there. Yeah, I saw that bird pick a young deer off the bird and fly away. And uh, it was just about getting dark, and we started panicking, running down the bridge, not really having any clue of storing rocks in our vicinity, good-sized rocks. And uh, I stopped long enough to get a 357 out of my backpack and look back, and that's when I thought I saw one. www.squatchcoffee.com and uh, with me today as always is my good friend uh, Shane Corson. Shane, how are you buddy? Good as always man, good as always. Glad to be here on Monstrex Radio enjoying the weather and uh, enjoying uh, enjoyed the uh, Hop Squatch event today. Yeah, that was um, Joe uh, Bielart and Cliff Olson um, wrote a new, have just just came out with a new Bigfoot book, Bigfoot book, the Oregon Bigfoot Highway, and uh, around these parts, uh, Joe is is referred to as the king of the clack. There has a rich, rich history of uh, Bigfoot activity. Uh, in fact, that's when I was growing up. You know, I heard a lot of. I was from Oregon, grew up in Portland, and and uh, when uh, I first got interested in Bigfoot, they talked a lot. I, I heard a lot of stories from the Estacada area, and I, at the time thought you know Bigfoot was was a definitely a Pacific Northwest uh, phenomenon. Uh, since then, I found out that they seem to be pretty much anywhere that there's sufficient woods and food for them to survive. It. Um, but Joe and and Cliff put on a good presentation. Uh, these you know the book. The book that uh, they wrote is almost like a tour guide uh, for for that area, up and down the the uh, highway, old highway uh, that runs along between um, 
the Clackamas River, and then all the way down south to uh, the Detroit area. So, and that, and the, all the the stories, anecdotal stories in in the book are are original, not not found on the internet stories that that they gathered to put together. So, um, so if you're looking for something unique, uh, great great book. Um, I haven't had a chance to read it, yet, but uh, our our good friend Guy, who is the host of Hop Squatch, actually designed the cover for the book. So, um, get go uh, to uh, OregonBigfootHighway.com and you can get a copy of it. So, um, by the way, Shane, we missed you last week. You had a little <laughs> bit of an adventure on the way back for, from the OP. Uh, made it back in one piece, I take it? Yeah, it was. Uh, I had a fantastic time up, up at the Olympic Project, uh, you know, with our last public expedition. Um, and uh, met a lot of new friends. Uh, we, you know, we got some stuff done. And it was just an overall uh, great time. And unfortunately, on the way home, uh, racing back to get on Monster X, I uh, was probably doing a little bit faster than my uh, travel trailer could handle, and I blew out a tire um, just outside Vancouver, and it was quite the mess. And uh, unfortunately, it took me, um, uh, because of the precarious situation I was in, being right next to the freeway, and a guardrail trying to change the tire. It took me a little while to uh, get that, um, you know, set up and back on the road. And so I missed out, unfortunately. Well, live and learn. <laughs> Leave with uh, a little extra time <laughs> if you have to be somewhere. So, uh, But, uh, you know, it happens. But I did listen to the show last week, Gunner. You did a fantastic job with a great guest. And, uh, yeah, Mike, so. yeah, Mike uh, did, was uh, an excellent guest. And speaking of that, um, the Ohio Bigfoot Conference uh, is wrapped up now, and they had they had the <clears throat> excuse me they did the not premiere they did a showing of something in the woods uh, Friday night, and I guess they had an encore performance on Saturday night because uh, the room was so packed they couldn't fit anybody everybody in there, so they did it. Uh, and from what I, I was following uh, Mike's posts on on. Uh, Facebook and uh, it sounded like the response to the movie was was uh, overwhelmingly positive. So Ohio Bigfoot Conference uh, uh, is always always rocks it. I mean they they have a lot of people that and a lot of laymen. I mean a lot of people that that aren't Bigfoot researchers, which we seem to a lot of the uh, events out this way seem to attract mostly researchers, but mm-hmm. the Ohio Mark does a great job with the the Ohio Bigfoot Conference. I remember uh, talking to Cliff Berrickman last year, um, gotten back, and uh, said it was it was a madhouse. So I know that he had he, that. Uh, um, I I didn't make it to the the Ohio conference, but Sasquatch Coffee was represented. Um, I actually sent over four hundred uh, sample size. Sasquatch coffees for because uh, Mark was putting together uh, bags of goodies for the VIP members, so those went in there. And uh, Mark was kind enough to sh- to uh, take a picture of the the uh, signage that uh, the big the Sasquatch coffee sign that's hanging up in the meeting hall. So I know that. Uh, so if you got a chance to try some Sasquatch coffee over there in Ohio, good for you. Uh, we look forward to your future orders at uh, www.squatchcoffee.com. So, uh, 
Mm-hmm. Good stuff. Yeah, Good stuff. Yeah. I, 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 I hope to eventually make one of these Ohio conferences because of, uh, uh, you know, Mark DeWorth. I mean, he puts together, uh, he's been doing this for a number of years, and puts together such a great event uh, <clears throat> with <clears throat> keynote speakers. Uh, he's really one of the, the biggest stellar events as far as Sasquatch-related phenomenon go with uh, quite the uh, uh, amount of people, uh, you know, going to these events. And uh, one of those events that I, I really would love to make, uh, hopefully next year. Um, I really do hope to make it next year. I think, uh, I think uh, you know, it's important to collaborate with like-minded individuals. And you, you meet a lot of those folks there and, and just make connections and hear uh, what's going on around the country because you are talking about a, almost a central location for, for the, the U.S. here. So hopefully uh, next year I can make it and uh, look forward to it. But from everything I've heard from this particular event, as as always, it's just stellar. Yeah, and that's uh, well. Maybe next year we'll be doing live from uh, we'll be doing uh, Monstrex live from the Ohio Bigfoot Conference this weekend. So ah, there you go. <laughs> that, that, hey, something to, we can we can make it happen. Um, yeah, the that it always funny because Ohio doesn't. Uh, initially popped to the top of my mind as as uh you know where I would think Bigfoot would be prevalent but it's I mean it's way up there BFRO. Um yeah. So they're they're definitely and that's you know, um I actually uh my stepson got married in Ohio and uh I actually ran was training for a marathon at the time and ran from Ohio to Kentucky. So I I uh came back and told people that, you know, I had ran through two states, <laughs> but, but it was, they're, they're connected. But, but of course, Kentucky is where the, the, uh, Erickson project took place. So, yeah, um, that there's a, there's some squatches over there. It sounds like too, they get their fair share. Of course, uh, there's, you know, uh, the Ohio scream is one of the, the, uh, like classic Bigfoot howls. Um, it was cool this week. This this month at Hopsquatch, we uh, uh, I met a, a young man up at uh, uh, the Olympic Project last last week, and Chris, who oh. lives up in Longview yeah. and has an Chris interest Spencer, in yeah. Uh, yeah, and then he he uh, showed up at Hopsquatch. So um, we have a he has some interesting stuff happening up in in his area. Um, has you know he played? Let me listen to a recording of a vocalization in his area that sounded very familiar. To the the kind of uh, vocalizations we get in in our research area. So, mm-hmm. um, welcome to the family, Chris. I know he was looking for some like-minded people, and uh, this Hop Squatch is a, a great place to make connections and and uh, get good information, just like the program today. So, mm-hmm. very cool. Very cool. Um, you know, with regards to Chris. You know, he's just one of the many that have attended these uh, Limit Project events that have, uh, that the Limit Project members and, and organization as a whole has made a connection with and will continue to work with uh, to collaborate on ongoing stuff going on in, you know, different areas. I mean, uh, Chris gets out quite a, quite often, and some of his audio is it's fantastic. It really is. And uh, he's not claiming, you know, anything other than this is it's odd. Uh, I know, you know, the area, you know, I know my background, blah, blah, blah. So it's really good to uh, collaborate with individuals like that and, um, you know, get connections. 
and Chris, uh, you know, Chris Spencer is another example of somebody that the Allen Project will be working with down the road uh, to um, help uh, picture of what we're dealing with and uh, build patterns and stuff. So it's, I love making connections like that. People of sound mind um, that enjoy and love to listen and learn as much as we do, you know, learn from us as much as we love to learn from them. So fantastic. Yeah. It was cool because today I got a chance to to uh, talk to him, and uh, he just recorded some whistles. And I'm I'm anxious to to uh, hear what because we've had that whistles um, that we've recorded up in our area. So right, it's cool to have the. I mean, my my whole thing is collaboration, not competition. You know, it's we can we can make far better strides in, in uh, solving this mystery by working together than than people hunkering down and 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 holding their their information, you know, keeping it to themselves. I mean, uh, and had so much. You, Go ahead. That, no, I was going to say, and that, sorry, but that's exactly what uh, Joe, you know, Art was talking about today. Uh, he touched upon mm-hmm. that very thing, and so did Cliff Olson. I mean, that was something that was brought up. A question from the a participant in the uh, at the um, the lunch club event, uh, or sorry, the uh, Hopsquatch event, and uh, he he said, you know, collaboration, collaboration. That's why he, he this book was written and shared uh, because they, you know, guys like um, uh, you know Cliff and Joe have been doing this for such a long time and c- accumulated quite the data base and stories and encounters and. Uh, been on the boots on the ground they want to share this information you know and for whatever it's worth they're not hiding anything and that's it um the value of the this book is is, is tremendous i mean it's and that's it's great that the people that um you know guy likes to talk about the different generations of bigfooters that that mm-hmm. uh joe and cliff are like a sec, second generation bigfooters uh, and and uh, the, their willingness to share their information, you know, from you know, think of how much time they've spent out in the field. And uh, uh, Cliff was talking, telling telling uh, about an encounter that he had that was visual, and and that's uh, interesting because he talked about it uh, seeing a, a a Bigfoot actually. Uh, on on all fours, basically knuckle walking, but but fast. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's because for years I always just had the impression that they were you know definitely a hundred percent upright, and and that now we we have that started to come about that well they're not always upright, you know they're not always walking on all fours, which is very ape like. So yeah. A lot of people look up. A lot of people look up when they should maybe. A lot of people look up when they should maybe be looking down. You know, uh, right. we're looking for. A lot of people assume they're looking for a, you know, a six to ten foot tall uh, individual. Uh, when, when in fact, you know, yeah, they may be that tall, but they're not necessarily standing upright at all times. If right. you're trying to conceal yourself, well, I know if I, you know, me being just just about six foot, if I'm trying to hide. I'm not going to be standing straight up. I'm going to probably be down low. It just makes sense. And it does. I mean, you think about they—they they get down into that the the uh, brush 
I mean, you think about them down on all fours in the brush, that it, it, there's so many areas that you would never even see them. Uh, we, had, you know, we had talked last week about the, the hide and seek game that we did up in the the uh, OP. Oh yeah, and, yeah. And that that was it was an interesting um, it was an interesting experiment because basically you find out that that uh, a, a firm is is basically useless in thick brush. I mean, you get anything yes. behind, you know, you get you might pick up some glow or something, but uh, it's well, they're not they're not. Uh, um, you know they're not X-ray. They they can only see th- until they hit brush, and then then you can't. You know, if anything's well, behind a tree or be- to, behind any kind of brush, you you do not see it at all. Exactly, and to give a better picture of what we did in Lynn Project for a one night event for a mm-hmm. couple hours, um, a few of the the um, uh, Lynn Project members went out into an area, and uh, they hid. They said we're going to hide between this area and this area. So we already knew an area where they were going to be at. And so they went to go out there and hide. And we were given uh, flares and, uh, you know, we had some, many of the members had monoculars and night vision, blah, blah, blah. And so our goal was to uh, find them and record them on, on our, on our flare. And uh, within a fairly small area, I mean, to be honest, uh, they were going to mm-hmm. be in one area, and it was so difficult. I mean, for all these reasons, very, very difficult because of the terrain, the brush. Yeah, I mean, we had an idea of where, where those individuals would be. But mm-hmm. to try and pinpoint them for something that was trying to hide, something that was trying to hide, <laughs> uh, very, very difficult, you know. And uh, it proved to be very <laughs> more difficult than I think most assume. And I think it was a great exercise to show that, um, putting yourself out in the woods or the forest in a, in a vast area uh, that you, you suppose Sasquatch may be or you think Sasquatch may roam in or inhabit or any other animal for that matter, uh, it's very hard to uh, actually get something on a FLIR. Very difficult. And uh, that was a great exercise in proving that point. Well, and the funny thing, I mean, not only did we know where they were in general location, when we were out there looking for them, they would vocalize. They tree knocked. They did some howls, and we still couldn't find them. Eventually, one of one of the the searchers did um, find one of the the hiders, but not. She didn't have a flare at the time, so it, we actually did not the mission. Um, no. So it yeah it was, and I I remember being and being able to hear, and it ended up being Derek, you know, doing howls and stuff. And apparently uh, he almost got stepped on by one of the, the participants. I think Todd Neese almost stepped right on his head. But uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, the one of uh, one of the gals actually hid and waited for him to uh, do a vocalization, and then stepped around and was able to knew exactly where it was and shine a flashlight on him. Um, not something you would probably do if you were actually looking for a squatch and you heard you thought that that was a squatch vocalizing. I doubt too many people would stand there and hide and then step out when they howl. Uh, <laughs> I, I can't imagine myself doing that. But but having, uh, you know, one, one of the interesting things to note was that after that whole event took place, you know, and after the night had settled and everybody went to their, um, you know, sleeping arrangements, 
there was about three to four members, or not just members, but it, participants in the Limb Project edition that uh, woke up to hearing uh, stuff not too far away from camp uh, in different areas. Um, they, they described the event as uh, something, you know, going kind of crazy in the woods. They heard smashing and breaking and different things going on, even some vocals at times. I never heard it personally, but uh, there was about three to four individuals that had heard something going on, and uh, which has happened in the past, and they described it as, uh, um, you know, rather, you know, at times kind of scary. They didn't know what it was. Some of them got out and tried to figure out what was going on. Um, and hopefully, um, with some of the recordings that we had in camp, we will pick up that audio uh, and be able to figure out exactly what was going on. But I thought it was odd with us doing this exercise out in, these, in the mountain area, that that following night, the same night, we had some other stuff going on that was, rec- you know, possibly recorded, but heard by three to four other individuals. Yeah, it's interesting that that area, I mean, that area has a, a history of, of activity, and, uh, you know, the to have that, because uh, basically then the property was purchased and, and the Olympic project now has a an area like a base camp in the foothills of of an area that has a lot of history of activity and right. uh, you know they talk about the, the likelihood that the Olympic Peninsula may have the highest density of of population now I don't know how somebody you know how somebody can uh arrive at that conclusion but uh but there is a, a lot of activity. I talked to uh, James Minion, uh, Minion, <laughs> uh, <laughs> about an encounter that uh, he had um, like eight months ago. Was and he had one recently where where he had a, a visual of something which appeared to be bipedal. They found footprints, you know, in close proximity to where he had the sighting. Then you and I actually camped in that uh, Friday night, like on the yeah the area above where he had had a sighting. So um, we did, I'm still listening to the audio of that, that night. And uh, I haven't heard a thing yet, except there, you know, some road noise from down below, but yeah. Uh, it's interesting that, you know, you think we go out and we howl and whoop and stuff in the woods and people do get responses to that. So um, it may have, mm-hmm. maybe it made them something curious, you know, and, and it looks like um, it's moving, you know, predictability uh, in the Olympic project is that's that's the end goal, and they're moving. It looks like they're making progress with that, with the work that um, that Tom and and Matt are doing with the, all the data, you know, and putting stuff together. Um, that was actually one of my favorite presentations because I'm a data nerd, yeah. so I like I like taking various amounts of data putting it in and what happens if you move this and what does it, you know, looking for patterns and, and, uh, there definitely were some interesting, um, patterns that came out of the 25,000, uh, pieces of, uh, data that they put into, to spreadsheets. And, um, you definitely saw some spikes in activity, some lulls in activity, some interesting like questions. Um, I, the, one that gets me is there was a uh, a spike in activity. I think it was nine o'clock. There was a spike. Then it was a big, huge drop off, and then another spike 
um, at 11, which was weird. I mean, it's like there's got to be a reason. You know, why yeah. there's got to be a reason why there's activity around those two points and then there's not activity for an hour. So, Well, you know, the, the Olympics, I do believe, has quite the uh, database for reports and uh, could be considered um, somewhat of a Bigfoot highway. And Joel Beelhart's book, The Oregon Bigfoot Highway, uh, you know, the Clackamas area and uh, the surrounding areas around Mount Hood, to me personally, because I had an encounter up in this area, it for me is um, is quite the uh, area of high density reports. I mean, it really is historically, uh, and um, I think Joel Beelhart's book, The Oregon Bigfoot Highway, um, along with you know Cliff Olson, uh, their book together, it's it's profound. Uh, I've been waiting for this book for I don't know how many years uh, to come out. You know, it's like, oh, well, it'll come out soon. But they wanted to make sure that it was the best book they can put out there. Uh, and uh, with, with you know, over 31 sightings and 43 track finds, 69 Bigfoot-related incidents. This book has 118 photographs. It has 13 maps and uh, 188 character- characteristics reported in the appendix. I mean, this book really, uh, I have not read it yet. Uh, I've kind of browsed through some of it, and it just looks fantastic. And, um, Gunnar, I believe Joe is with us. Do you want to take him now? Yeah, sure. I'm, let's have him. <laughs> okay, let's see here. Joe, are you with us, Joe? Joe, Pilar, are you there, It might be Guy. It might be Guy that well, let's see. Uh, oh, we'll guy, take, the side here. take guy first. Guy, guy's the man, <laughs> Joe. <laughs> okay, fellas, don't fight over us. Yeah, please don't. <laughs> no, no, you go first. <laughs> I, I've, I've been listening in for the last 18 minutes. You guys are doing a great job. Uh, I think, uh, you know, with, with uh, uh, I, I, you know, when you say that you've been waiting for this book, I've been waiting for this book. Um, back in 2011, uh, Joe Bielart mentioned to me that he was writing this book and I actually got to drive down what he calls the Oregon Bigfoot Highway, which is actually Oregon Scenic Byway number five. You can easily find it on a map. You can easily Google it. And, uh, these are the best sightings around the Clackamas area. And I got to get the audio version of the book. And I think we drove down about three hours and, there, and, and just to let you guys know, some of the highlights are, are Indian Henry, uh, Whalehead, uh, uh, also some of the other uh, sites that that you just can't find on the Internet. But Joe Beeler has definitely um, done his due diligence as far as finding out the best spots. And for a lot of you guys that don't know, Clackamas County is one of the hottest, most active areas for Bigfoot. So... Um, uh, the other thing that's great about this book is you can actually start on the north end of the highway and just drive down with this book and hit every best Bigfoot hotspot traveling down south through this uh, Oregon Scenic Highway number five and just know the history of every monumental Bigfoot sighting and encounter that has happened um, uh, within the last hundred years. And, and these are all 
like reports that you don't find are not commonly found. I mean, Joe went out and gathered some some unique are reports that he uniquely gathered. You just don't go. I mean, they're not common you know common reports that you just look up on the internet. That's that's right. Uh, I, this is Joe cutting in just briefly, uh, but. <laughs> So one of the main reasons that uh, we were able to gather the quantity and quality of reports we were is my co-author, I'm the scribe, I'm the guy that did the typing, uh, but the mentor on this book was uh, was Cliff Olson, and he lived either, he lived inside the forest at the Portland General Electric site at Three Links uh, for uh, 13 years, and then he lived near Estacada for about another 25 years. So he knew people up there that worked the forest, and uh, that was a main primary source of our uh, of our information and stories. And then we have a select group of people, loosely associated uh people that we actually all knew each other kind of off and on that spent a lot of time up there and they would interview people and then we evaluated them we evaluated them for uh for whether we wanted to include them or not uh those folks were called the Clackamas Sasquatchians and uh then uh Mr. John Green after I got about 150 pages put together this this book started uh, 20 years ago in the mid-90s with notes, field notes I took from camping. But at any rate, uh, in the winter of 2012 and 13, I really went at it at the encouragement of of Cliff. And uh, after I got about 150 pages done, I sent them off to John Green, and he graciously, I was honored, we were honored, he allowed us to use uh, six of his reports from the uh, five from the Clackamas and one from the Colowash, which is a Clackamas tributary. And we had one. There was a small Estacated newspaper back in the day, and they had run a feature article on Bigfoot, 1979. So we had that. Uh, the accounts in the book are from those sources. I did not use the internet. I did not mine the internet, and I quit at a hundred. Uh, that was that was enough. Uh, so <laughs> so so the interviews. Uh, the that uh, that's the source material. I uh, there there's a lot there's there about one quarter of the book though is just local history, local geography. As you drive along, this is what you're going to see. Uh, so there's a lot more in it. There's there's GPS coordinates throughout, so you can use it with Google Earth. Uh, the only thing that we don't readily identify are archaeological sites, and then we have a couple ongoing uh, inve- investigative sites that we don't put didn't put in there. So uh, that that's the, that what Guy was referring to. That's that's how it came about. It wasn't it wasn't it wasn't me. I was the guy that just wrote most of the stuff down. So it's kind of a collaborative effort, but but uh, you. Somebody had to write it down, and you 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 do spend an uh, incredible amount of time out in in the Clackamas area. Is that not correct? Oh, uh, that's correct. I uh, 
I uh, my high one year when I had uh, well I had plenty of uh, demands on my time, but I had my weekends tended to be free. My high one year were twenty three uh, nights camping out, many of them alone. I might add. While it's not a wise idea, I uh, have camped out many, many, many nights by myself. And I think, quite frankly, that they like to come in and and watch one or two or three people, one or two preferably, and uh, it makes them more accessible, even though uh, we, ha- we don't have any, any good photographs or that kind of thing yet. Plus, it's a good recreation deal to go out by yourself and just, you know, get past the uh, I am scared phase and just you know, get, uh, just enjoy the forest for what it is. And Joe, why why this book now? Why I mean, I know this book's been a long time coming, and finally it's it's actually out there now where people can actually go go and purchase this book and 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 read read it and whatnot. But uh, what it, what what compelled you to put this book out there? Well, I'm uh, I believe that there is firmly and unequivocally believe that there is an unclassified hominid or pongoid south of Mount Hood. In fact, in most of most of the Northwest forests. Uh, and I'm getting to the point, I'm almost 68. Cliff is uh, in his early 80s. I think he's 81 right now. Uh, the, t- the time was we had enough, inf- we had 100 references points, reference points. Uh, I had put together the surrounding information to make the Bigfoot Highway truly a travel log. And uh, I didn't uh, want to go into any. There's not much philosophy, and there's not much uh, of, in the way of conclusions in it. Uh, it's it's a guidebook. It's what it is, and it it was done. So it was time to uh, it was time to publish it, and so I put it out. This is in the Create Space Amazon Distribution Core. Uh, so it's only 300 DPI black and white photographs, but there is a website that Guy is putting up that's got high-definition uh, photographs, and this book is of interest to a uh, one of the big four publishing houses, and uh, and you may see it in a little uh, glossier format, mm-hmm. condensed glossier format in the future. And you may see an Oregon Bigfoot Highway too, uh, if if there's enough interest in it for me to go through the uh, the effort to put put it together. Right, it's a huge effort. Obviously, it's taking you this long to get this out there and compile data and, and work with those that you work with. Obviously, um, a book of this magnitude, it, it's quite the endeavor. And it's finally come into fruition, and it's out there now. And I'm I'm super uh, happy to have purchased uh, uh, number thirty at the Hopsquatch event. Uh, oh, really? Good number. <laughs> yeah, that's a good number. Uh, zero or five is good. 
a surprise that somebody didn't ask for number 50. That's always a good number, too, the last <laughs> one. That, that's the if you guys don't mind if I interject for a second, I just want to make sure Please that do. people can go people can go to www.oregonbigfoothighway.com to get more information about the book. It has links directly to the Amazon website, so you guys can actually purchase it on Amazon. Um, and then if you guys don't mind, this is the type of Bigfoot book that I've been waiting for for um, at least the last decade, where you know, when Joe talks about there's no philosophy in here, what he's really saying is, is this is one of the books where you can just jump in really quickly and basically add your own type of uh, 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 intellect and your own type of opinions into it. And so you can actually read this book, and it will definitely spark your imagination. It will definitely stimulate you as far as, well, what about Bigfoot? Why is Bigfoot here? Why is Bigfoot doing this? And, if, and my favorite part, I have two favorite parts. The maps are absolutely beautiful, thanks to uh, Sharon Bielart, Joe's wife, mm-hmm. and also the, the appendix with Bigfoot behavior. There's no other place, even on the web, where you can actually get a collection of Bigfoot behavior. How does Bigfoot behave? What are characteristics of Bigfoot? And the appendix has amazing amount of detail as far as uh, suggestions about why Bigfoot does what Bigfoot does or what Bigfoot might do. And so... Um, I want to make sure that everybody knows that you can buy this book or find out more about this book at www.oregonbigfoothighway.com, and those will have links to the Amazon site where you can buy it on Amazon at your own convenience. Absolutely. Thank you, Uh, Guy. And also, if you buy it on Amazon and it's not signed, it won't be signed. I will send signature plates out to people that just give me a post with uh, with their mailing address. Gratis. Fantastic. Um, Joe, uh, you know, for a lot of our listeners, can you give us a little bit of background about yourself? You know, one of the fascinating things I only learned a couple years ago was your involvement with Bob Gimlin. And, uh, you know, know, as much as that you're with those that know know you, you're not under the radar. You are under the radar quite, I mean, to be honest. You're not one of those guys that seeks fame or fortune or whatnot, but you're under the radar. But some of your contributions to the subject of Sasquatch are phenomenal, and one of those is your association with Bob Gimlin. Can you speak a little bit about that and just your background? I'll tell you this, and I'm not exaggerating and I'm not bragging. It's simple fact. Simple fact. Uh, I am the man, I'm the person that encouraged Bob Gimlin to come out from seclusion and go public again with his with his experiences. And this is how this happened. Uh, Bob Gimlin was, I, I, I don't know the exact word, but was, I would say was harassed severely in, uh, in the late 60s and in the middle seven, through the middle 70s by people. Uh, the wanted him to, you know, lead him out and show him a monster, to show him where to shoot one, to do whatever. Finally, he just walked away from the public eye. Uh, best as I can figure out, Bob Gimlin never made anything, any any monetary gain of any note whatsoever from the Patterson-Gimlin film. He was doing it because... He happened to be at the right place at the right time and was sharing his interesting experience. I was going to an engineering conference in Yakima, Washington. Not going, I went. Uh, 
in uh, I think it was May of 2000. Uh, they, the conference had the usual in that case, since it's only uh, three or four days. We only had an afternoon off. So after the morning uh, get together, I, that that evening prior, kind of on a lark. I, not I don't even know why I quite did it, but I looked in the phone book and I found Mr. Gimlin's number. And I called him, and I tried to be as respectful as I could, business-like as I could. Uh, this was an engineering conference. I've got quite a bit of experience in industrial engineering where you got to interact with people you don't know on uh, fairly important subjects. Uh, so I had a little experience on how to get telephone conduct, contact, conduct. And I said, you know, Mr. Gimlin, I'd like, I'd like to just talk to you not about your experience, but about the status of, of Bigfooting now and to let you give you an update. And I had brought along, I don't know, somebody's book, and I'd thrown into the pack a couple of uh, track records I hadn't read yet and that kind of stuff. And it was just for reading material in the evening because so I don't particularly like TV. I was raised in north-central Nebraska. There wasn't TV. We didn't have a TV until I was 12 or 13, uh, just because there wasn't TV. So I, I read. And uh, he said, well, I'll try you. And uh, he had me meet him at a country roadhouse outside of uh, Yakima, out in the fruit country. And uh I, I engaged him, and we sat and talked for an, at least an hour and a half, if not two hours. And I gave him the stuff I'd had, the book, and and uh, I said, let's be in touch again. If you're interested in a little more information, call me, and we'll progress on from here. But I said, you know, you were treated with great disrespect uh, and cavalier attitudes back in the day. I said, you'll find there's a different type of person out there now that's interested in this phenomena. And I'm sure that people would like to hear and share you share your experience with them. And so we had further contact and I would say within uh, within s possibly six months he had made his first public appearance and Probably within the next year, he'd made his first traveling appearance, and since then he has uh, he has been a a, a a great emissary of of Bigfoot history, and that's pretty much how that happened. And I am sure that he will uh, tell you uh, the same story only in his in his words. Hello. Yeah. Well, that's yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's just a great, a great contribution to big footing in itself to get. Because I, yeah, he and I, he and I have you know, kept up quite a bit. Uh, I uh, overstepped my bounds with his friendship at one point, but I think we're back on track again. That was a. Uh, I mean, he's he's very active now. He, I know he was at the Ohio Bigfoot Conference this weekend. So. Yeah, he he. he he attends. He travels. I'd say to at least two a year nowadays, and has for quite some time. So, and they had a big uh, birthday celebration for him up in uh, Yakima. I wasn't able to attend, 
and I guess that was heavily attended. It was, I think. Uh, Shane and Shane and I were at his, uh, the Yakima Roundup this last last year, not Yakima Roundup, the uh, Yakima Bigfoot Conference. So, I think I was there as well. So, yeah. anyway, uh, Bob Gimlin's a gentleman, and uh, I have uh, I have uh, I, I I have absolute complete faith in 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 what in his story of what happened there there's there's no question about what happened at Bluff Creek in October of 1967 none whatever mm-hmm. yeah but what a contribution i mean had you not possibly reached out to Bob Gimlin uh perhaps you know regardless of what people think of the the, the encounter that him and Roger had and or whatnot it may never come out um, like it has now. And, you know, uh, people, especially like Bill Munns, that have done extensive work on it, on the uh, the Patterson film. We don't know where we'd be today without that. Uh, you created, uh, by contacting him and getting him to, uh, with all the disrespect and uh, stuff that he encountered, uh, maybe helped push the Patty film into more of a scientific realm, uh, and brought more, uh, you know, thoughts on the whole thing in general. It's it's pretty fascinating, and and you are a uh, bit of a pioneer, Joe, all around. Well, whether well, it's... well, thank you. I'm not I'm not a big pioneer guy. That's what happened was that people <laughs> had tried to approach him before, and instead of offering him information and guiding him towards what was, they they wanted something from him, and. They wanted something from Bob. They didn't want to share. They didn't want to uh, discuss. They, you know, he 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 responded. If I'm sure, I'm I'm sure that I'm correct in saying this. He'd he'd be, over the years he'd been approached before I did approached him, but the approaches were were not positive approaches. I went out and tried to <clears throat> tell him about. About, I would say, a new generation of, of, of researchers, new attitudes, moving away from the uh, the hunter killer, the hunter killer, make money on dramatization uh, monster movie uh, mentality, and I think he 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 he, he that I think that's what he wanted, and uh, that's neither here nor there. But keep in mind yeah. too that I did industrial pumping and electronics, and when the paper mill was in Samoa, which is outside of Eureka, California, I went down there when they were evaluating it. My company sent me down there, I think five times. Uh, they were evaluating whether to rejuvenate it or ship it to. Uh, I think it ended up in Siberia, or or I don't know, or maybe it went down to Borneo or something like that. Anyway. Uh, Anyway, I'd go in and spend a couple, three hours, and then be done for the day. And so I went. I was driving up to Bluff Creek, up to Orleans, and uh, I'd been up there. This was in 1994, late 1994, early 1995. So I'd been up there several times, and uh, in the area, I didn't know where the exact sighting thing was. In fact, I was. I was rather badly informed about it, 
but I knew <clears throat> I knew the landmarks and I knew the roads and uh, and I could talk to Bob about it without uh, without sounding like a documentary film or something. <laughs> anyway, that's the, yeah. anyway. I, I I that's about it. I uh, I am glad yeah. Bob is out there. I'm really glad. Well, you're very humble, uh, Joe, uh, both with your, your book and your contributions to this subject and your uh, getting, I mean, I have no problem saying it, that you really did help get Bob Gimlin to come forward and uh, he is doing this this sort of uh, ventures that he's doing with these, these conferences and speaking about the subject, uh, I mean, because of your approach and that's something... You're a very humble man, and I appreciate that, but uh, I have to give you kudos because I don't think uh, we may be in a different uh, ship if it weren't for you or a different uh, line of uh, questioning. You know, Bob Gimlin to me is, uh, you know, like you said, a very humble, like yourself, humble person, but a gentleman, and um, that's how I find you, Joe, and uh, your your, uh, contributions for me personally are detrimental uh based on some of my experience out in Clackamas and whatnot. Yeah, when I when I would to you know, when I had my encounter, um I had to do a lot of research on the subject, uh, in this area and I said, Well shoot, not an area I went in researching, it was an area I went in to go fishing and you know, one of the first things that uh when I started doing research on this what that popped up was Joel B. Hart's Bigfoot Sasquatch Field Notes. And your field notes are so detailed and phenomenal uh, that I, I read every single one, and uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I really did, and I, I still do. I refer back to them. Oh. <laughs> I really do. You oh, Joe, you uh, laugh, but but Shane, I, I guarantee you, Shane read every word. Shane, Shane is another one of those very. It's funny because there's this, there's some real big egos in bigfooting, but and uh, but one of the pleasures of having. Uh, I put on Hopsquatch is I met a lot of very sincere, very humble people that aren't after the the limelight. They're in it for the right reason because they they're interested in the the subject, and and Shane is one of the is is the next generation of those like like you, Joe, you know, it, and, and like Bob, of people that and he studies the hell out of Bigfoot. I mean, he reads everything. So when he said he read your notes, he he's not kidding. He was. He read them all. <laughs> well, I, uh, I, I, to, I, 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 I'm honored by it, but uh, I, uh, oh, I don't know. It just uh... <laughs> that's the pile on the on this dog pile too. You know, I mean, I have mad respect for Shane because I think, uh, you know, one of the things that's easy to do is call yourself a big for researcher, but unless you have the discipline to back it up, which Shane definitely does, which Joe Bielard definitely does, if you read his Bigfoot notes. I, uh, those are one of the things that I, that I I think is is going to propel us to getting closer to the truth about this Bigfoot phenomenon is that discipline, and uh, and I I wish I had a little bit more myself, but at the same time I think people like Joe Bielart, even though he's being very modest, has really trailblazed that that path for having some discipline, and I think Shane is definitely one of the guys out there that has the most discipline right now that is doing the Bigfoot research. He's probably the, the, the best and the brightest right now who's doing Bigfoot research. Good. I'm glad. This is <laughs> Shane and Guy I'm talking to. And who's the third voice, please? 
It's Gunner. Gunner. Oh, Somebody Gunner. named Hi. Gunner. <laughs> oh, yeah, I know Gunner. We have, uh, I can't, the, there's, I can't remember the name of that brand of coffee you have there. I mean, Sasquatch, Sasquatch Coffee Company, but uh, <laughs> yeah, yep. I can't remember the variety that we have. So anyway, uh, anyway, there's one thing that I am proud of that I will take credit for uh, that people really don't know much about is uh, you talk about researchers and what can you do if you're, if you live near the mountains and you can't get out because you're infirm for some reason, uh, that's that's awful. But if you can get out and you've got a disciplined plan, even if you get out only once or twice a year, but you do it repeatedly over the years, you'll pick something up. But then there's people back east that just simply aren't going to be in the big footing woods, the, the hills. And a long time ago, and I don't know how it came about, because uh, I don't go to, I, I've gone to Bellingham in 2002, I think it was, and that's a lo- up, out the, la- the only outside of Oregon, Portland area conferences I've gone to. But I, I, I was asked what researchers could do that weren't near the mountains. And I, I said, to establish a basis for the history of these things, someone should take it upon themselves to research the written history of wild men and monster reports in old newspapers and books, the old stuff. And somebody will have to help me with it now, but a, a young man back east who left this life way too soon did not. Who is? Can you tell me who that is? Uh, I'm familiar he, with the, 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 the he, his work, and I'm his name is escaping me. The, the name in the book, I, the book is in the in the closet here, but I don't have it out handy. But he he went through and he researched through all kinds of old 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 newspapers going back. Uh, I'm thinking that his earliest find was in the 1700s, maybe even the 1600s, you know, in a billboard-type deal. I, I was really proud when that book came out because here's a guy that really selflessly looked into the printed history, such as it was, of the wild men in America and Canada. And I, I, I've, I got, I, I don't, I don't, I can't get in there right now to get that thing, but short notice. But uh, I, uh, I, I was pretty happy when I made that suggestion, and then he got a hold of me and said, "I'm working on this project." And that's yeah, that I, I am familiar with the. It, his name is escaping me at the moment, but, but no, uh, he, yeah, he wants that need research to on, on, huh? on on Monster X. Uh, Next time you you have it, you maybe you'll have or I'll I'll give it to you. I'll find it and give it to you. Sure. But uh, uh, you need to call that out to people. It's uh, you know it's it's just it's just interesting. I think he left out one. I was I grew up in North Central Nebraska, not the flatland Nebraska most people think of. I grew up in the Sand Hills, and uh, to the to the west of the Sand Hills. There was, in, for instance, and Lauren Coleman picked this one up. Uh, one a little read, a little country newspaper 
had a write-up where the soldiers, the most of the people on the soldiers on the planes were infantrymen. They weren't cavalry, and these infantrymen were out out in western Nebraska, and this this wild man, naked wild man, came out of the uh, out of the uh, basically desert, uh, very thirsty, where uh, with with a club and he wanted he made noise he made him know that he wanted water so they gave him water and they gave him some soldier loaves of bread and the thing was very grateful and walked back into the uh, into the prairie now that's the kind of stuff that's pretty golden because there's a wild man in uh, western nebraska in the late 1800s 19th century uh just, just, uh, just, an, just an example. But I don't think that example is in the book. I'm not. I think it's. I think he missed that one. But well, uh, on it. the other hand, on the other hand, how many people have access to a, the shattered Nebraska, you know, local paper? So. Yeah, Scott <laughs> McLean. You're talking about Scott McLean. Uh, I think that might be it. Yeah. Yeah, I think. I think, I think so. that is it, Shane. Yeah. Well, yeah, it, somebody mentioned that in the chat room, so I thought, you know, I couldn't remember offhand, but, yeah, I think it's Scott McLean. Scott McLean. Anyway, if I'm monopolizing this, throw me off, okay? Not at all. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm, I'm sure that our, um, the Monster X listeners are much uh, more inclined to want to hear you, Joe, <laughs> than Shane and I babble on. But, exactly. Um, well, I appreciate but, that. No, Joe, initially, so... You've been. How long have you been in Bigfooting? I mean, what? Oh, uh, I got interested in this on Christmas uh, Day of 1993, wandering around after Christmas dinner out in the Coast Range, our family a farm ranch. We only had cattle, so I guess it was a ranch. Uh, uh, just driving around looking for uh, deer, something to do right at dusk. And, uh, one was balled up in the in a blowdown big blow down and it basically stood up and turned around and looked at us uh, it was a full size bronco had the headlights right on the center of it it was about uh, oh, 20 feet away and uh, it exhibited obvious displeasure that I was there and we were there actually I had a couple of my young nephews very young nephews along and uh it just turned, and uh, it was rainy, so it was wet. And uh, turned and uh, took a couple steps, big steps, out of the blowdown hole, which was a big blowdown hole. Uh, I took Todd Niece up there 40 years later, 30, 35 years later, and the hole was still very substantial. They'd taken off the log, but the hole was still there, the root hole and uh, off it walked into the forest. And then I just let it go. I didn't, uh, you know, just a crazy guy out there walking around naked with a lot of hair on it. (laughs) Uh, The one thing I did do, because I'd had a lot of training in this in the service, was because I was a trained investigator in the Marine Corps, Navy. I'd gone through uh, Naval Justice School. Um... I looked it over very carefully, and it didn't have a pointed head. Maybe it had a little bit of a crown up there, but in the facial description. 
But basically, I just wanted nothing to do with it. So I, I just, I would have just put it away and never thought about it again. But we had a branch up in the industrial area of Portland, North Portland. So I was up there one day, and uh, I, I had spied a barber shop going over to the branch, and so I decided to, uh, I stopped in, and I liked the guy, so I started getting my hair cut there. He was an older gentleman. And, uh, and it dawned on me eventually that across the street was Ray Crow's bookstore, and he had some kind of Bigfoot signage in there. So I started going into Ray's bookstore, but I wouldn't identify myself. I didn't want to think. I didn't want him to think I was completely nuts, even though I'm. Sh- I almost believe now that tales were really turned. But uh, uh, and I'd buy his old newsletters, the extras that he had, and I bought a copy of John's Green's book, the hardbound. And this impressed Ray immensely because at the time he asked 50 bucks for it. It had a real nice dust cap jacket on it. You know, people just didn't walk into Ray's bookstore and buy $50 books, I'll tell you that. Um, uh, and finally, after I'd been going in for races months and months, he said, well, why don't you come to one of our meetings? And I didn't really want to go to one of their meetings, so I didn't. And then uh, he said, he finally said one day, we're going to have a camp out at Carson. And I thought, well, that'd be fun. So I went to a summer camp out at Carson, and that's, and then I joined the Western Bigfoot Society, and then I got to know people, and that's where I met Cliff and Woody and and uh, a number of other people and, and uh, found out they weren't all, you know, chalkboard scratchers. So <laughs> that's, that's a good phrase. Anyway, anyway, so that's kind of how I, got, I went into it slowly over the period of about seven years. And then once I got into it, I found out that uh, there was a dearth. I'm, I was used to, I've got a couple of genuine college degrees, not to go out and buy them type. A BS in uh, business with an emphasis in statistics from Oregon State, 69. A... Uh, MBA, again, with statistical bent, uh, Portland State, 75. And I, I had reading technical manuals all through the military and whatever. And I read classical literature, uh, Dostoevsky, you know, Tolstoy, etc. And I, I was appalled, except for John Green's books, I was appalled by what I read about Bigfoot. So in a way, uh, the seed was planted to try and write a fairly decent Bigfoot book. I hope I'm not boring the pants off you. No. It's, it's all good information. I mean, that's, anyway, that, that's kind of that's how, kind of how I got into it, you know. I think that's an important distinction, too. You know, I think, I, you know, if you guys don't mind... I think that one of the things that is also missing in Bigfoot research is reading Bigfoot books that have come around uh, for a while. And I think that, you know, if you get a chance, definitely get one of John Green's Bigfoot books. But this book, I hope, will change the landscape of all future Bigfoot books because this, uh, the, the Oregon Bigfoot Highway is definitely switches 
how most Bigfoot books are written. Mm-hmm. Most of them, I think, get too far into the weeds, and this book allows you to add your own type of opinion and, and make your own type of um, uh, references as far as what you think about Bigfoot. So um, I, I, I can't be effusive enough about how great this Bigfoot, is, Bigfoot book is that Joe and Cliff Olson have been able to put together because I've been waiting for a book like this for at least a decade. Thank you for that, Guy. I I appreciate that very much, Guy. So I I picked up two copies today. um, That's how enthusiastic I was about it. I I wanted to read one and then read the other one. But uh, but but really the the uh, the history. I mean, the, it's important for us to to not lose touch with like historical stories and and historical fe- figures and that uh, led us to where we are today. I mean, it's without any, you know, we're uh, it's important that we we build on on past research and past efforts. Otherwise, we're just starting over, and there are people that do that. They pay no attention to to uh, what's gone on in the past, and start over and, and make you know. Then, then we have to make all the same mistakes that that have already been made, and uh, which isn't necessary if we we pay attention and and we learn from people that and have an open mind with people that that have been out there doing it already for forty years, or or you know. 15 or 20 or 30 years. I mean, that's, yeah, it's, it it's, it's has huge value. Huge right. value. Many, many people are coming into this, you know, we assume that people come into this, uh, phenomena, uh, knowing something when many times they know nothing. And so coming into this phenomena of what Sasquatch is or isn't, uh, it's important to, for books like this, you know, I think it's, a, the value is just amazing because, you don't have to do all the legwork. You don't have to do uh, do all the historical searching and whatnot. Uh, you can look at a book like this and learn something. And then if you are a seasoned uh, researcher, enthusiast, or whatnot, you, it, this is like a, a more than just a foundation for where you're going to go with it, but more than that, you know, and it's just uh, – I can't say enough about the book. I, I can't wait to read it. Uh, I've kind of skimmed through it real quick, and it looks fantastic. And like I said, uh, with Joe's notes online that can be found, uh, it has had a huge impact on my research going forward. And I some of it, you know, left a lot of the uh, questions I had. Uh, the, a lot of the questions I had were answered. So I, at this book here, you know, you can – it's a living, breathing document per se, you know, that you can base your own judgment off of what's reported. So, fantastic. Yeah, I think, I think you'll probably right. agree with me, Shane. I think that, you know, if, if, if I didn't have access to Joe Bielart notes online, if I didn't have access to Joe Bielart in person, I would have wasted lots of time doing Bigfoot research, and I would have basically doubled uh, a lot of mistakes, or I would have wasted my time doing Bigfoot research. This actually was, you know, somewhat of a um, for lack of a better term, a shortcut so I could actually make some progress. And if it wasn't for Joe Bielart Notes Online, and if it wasn't for my direct access to Joe Bielart, I would have been spinning my wheels and wasting my time. And so one of my – and this is why I wanted 
the whole I I care so much about the Bigfoot research community, and I wanted the community to have access to this book as soon as they could because this book will help you not waste your time. It will give you a heads up, or uh, it will help you fast forward through your own research. And I and I know Joe probably won't say this, but I can say this, and I promise you that if you get this book, it will help you fast forward and also cement a lot of the ideas that you might have already had as far as the suppositions you might have had about Bigfoot research. I can't talk about how valuable this book will be to anybody who's interested in Bigfoot. Yeah, uh, exactly. guys, guys' words are too kind, trust me. <laughs> Wait. But they're on, well, they're on par. They're on par. I'm yeah, looking Scott forward McQueen on is actually... Incidentally, I, while I've been listening, I've been looking it up. Scott McQueen is not the fellow I'm thinking of that wrote that historical uh, document, you know, newspaper deal. I think I don't. I I can't make it come up. Anyway, it, uh, it might be Tom McQueen. Same last name, different first name. Could Tom be. McQueen. I, yeah. I I I don't. I want to listen to you guys, so I'm not paying a lot of it. I'm not doing a heavy heavy job on that. Um, there's one thing in my book that I think is fairly unique, and that is I use GPS coordinates. I don't. The only thing I don't show is our. Uh, a couple of uh, a couple of habituation sites that, or I retract that. I don't want to say that word. A couple <laughs> of areas that uh, that are of special interest to us, and then uh, uh, archaeological sites uh, for fear of vandalism. Uh, but I have GPS coordinates throughout, and. Uh, Combined with Google Earth, which is, is everybody here familiar with Google Earth? It's a mapping program, a visual mapping program of Earth. It's absolutely okay. fantastic. It's it's an absolute must, in my opinion, for uh, for uh, just for looking at stuff. Uh, I spend mm-hmm. a lot of my time, oddly enough, in the Russian tundra and above the Arctic Circle, where there's not much to look at, to be honest with you. But it's kind of kind of neat. Uh, but uh, you, can, you can get in there and look at Oak Grove Butte. You can look at uh, uh, you can look up Indian Henry. You can look at 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 the headwaters of the Warm Springs River. You can there's uh, uh, at least thirty meadows identified. Meadows are important because meadows are open and they're they're feeding zones for uh, ungulates, deer, and elk. And uh, they also offer the opportunity. One of the things that I do is go out and sleep in the open in the middle of some place where the things can look down at you or cross a meadow at you. And uh, quarries are excellent for this. And uh, just go out and put up a cot or throw out a tarp on the ground. Be sure to spray spray the ground so you don't get eaten by bugs. Uh, and right. then... And then just see if they come around. Uh, in the book, there are several instances, uh, in fact, in Bigfoot behavior and, and characteristics of watching people at night. Uh, there's been a, quite a number of them. So meadows and quarry coordinates are a big deal. Um, that's just, uh, you know, a lot of people are so, par- you know, they're just paranoid. I got this secret spot. Well, come on, you know. Come on. <laughs> right. So it, it's one thing if you found ancient ruins that uh, 
the Forest Service archaeologist archaeologist says we think it may be in excess of 10,000 years old. And another thing to uh, be in a spot where Bigfoot threw a rock at somebody, you know. Yeah. So, if that makes sense to you. It does. Fantastic stuff. I mean, just, uh, I'm really, like I said, I'm really looking forward to reading this book. And uh, I'm really, really happy that Guy got you to speak at the, uh, you know, Hopsquatch event uh, and uh, participate with that. And same with Cliff Olson, because Cliff, like you mentioned before, is a huge asset to this community. And his research, you know, he's, uh, he's getting up in those years where it's getting a little more difficult to make these functions. But yet his knowledge is phenomenal and uh he he's willing to share he's not closed-minded whatsoever neither one of you guys are closed-minded but willing to share uh what you know regardless of what think of your findings just here it is here you go and uh, uh, i i I don't uh you know people can be skeptical cliff is cliff is a gift to the community long overlooked and uh i'm glad that I'm glad that he encouraged me to really get this thing done, uh, and he really helped. He he he's took a strong and vibrant interest in it, but he he's not a typist. I, I so that it's kind of like one of those so what deals. One of us can type and one of us can't, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but the collaboration is phenomenal, and uh, you guys have worked together for years, and there's much to be said about that. And yeah, I think why don't you whip your book open? Mm-hmm. You got one handy? Yes, I do. Okay, go back to Appendix 1. Okay, go to page 287. 287, give me a mim- minute here. Let's see, 287, and I'm there. Okay, see that smoky photograph there? Yes. Uh, Sasquatchians around a smoky campfire in Big Bottom on... November 17th, 1999. Notice November 17th, the week before Thanksgiving. It's cool in the mountains in in November. We spent four nights up there uh, looking to see if we could figure out how the things come down the hill, if they come down the hill with the deer. And of those people, the, the Sasquatchians there, there's a fellow there that doesn't want us to, doesn't want to be identified. Jim Hynek is a Sasquatchian, Steve Kiley is a Sasquatchian, Woody Woodworth, Cliff Olson, Bill Harper was allowed us to use his name, but he didn't. He's he didn't want to be uh, profiled, and Tom Powell. This is 1999, and and uh, in the book we list uh, a series of sequ- uh, researches that we. Uh, Call Sasquatchians. I took the photographs. We got one, two, three, four, five, seven, five, uh, six. Yeah. Well, there's two of them aren't aren't profiled in the back of the book, but there's six people in the back of the book out of fourteen that were already actively associated and continue to be associated uh, sixteen years ago. So that that gives That's you an idea that. Yep, the depth yeah. of knowledge that goes went into this book, okay? Wow. Yeah. I mean, there's this book is not my my book. It's a it's a book that's from a and 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 a lot of interaction over many years. 
Mm-hmm. Todd Neese and I first started going out in March. I know the dates, March of 1999. Anyway. But he, yeah, uh, it's but, funny because it, it was like a, took me back a ways because you were talking about Henry Franzoni. And uh, I was on that chat list when that was one of the first uh, things that I looked up when I got on the Internet was Bigfoot. And somehow I found my way to Henry's uh, chat list. And yeah. Moneymaker was on there, and and I mean there was a lot of of uh, it, that that was predates. You know, oh, I got I got to interrupt you right now. There's certain words we don't use around me, and you just <laughs> two of them. Did okay. I just curse? <laughs> well, I, I I've I've I anyway. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> half a joke, but only half a joke. In fact, but half uh, of a joke. It's about one quarter of a joke, one fifth of a joke. <laughs> okay, enough. It's, it's getting closer to reality. Yeah. But there was a lot of, I mean, it, and I, that's, uh, I ended up meeting Todd, niece, and I believe it was Jim that actually Todd and I up in the area where Todd had his sighting, or up on Saddle Mountain, and, and uh, he had had a, an expedition up there with, with Peter Byrne, and I think that he had Ron Moorhead up there at that time where he got, Todd got roared at while he was taking a leak. So, yeah, it was, uh, it was, it was brought back some memories today because I was like, wow, yeah, I remember that, that chat list. There were some cool people on there. Apparently some not so cool people on there, but that always, <laughs> you take the good with the bad. So, um, we're just about to, uh, wrap up time so Joe I, I want to thank you for, for uh, writing an excellent book um, and for coming on the show today and for doing Hop Squatch I know we run into each other at Hop Squatch you're there pretty regularly so that's one of the really cool things about um, Guy's event that you know he uh, has, has made a gathering place for Northwest Bigfooters to uh, get an opportunity to to meet people like Joe, you know, um, and uh, I just want to thank Guy again for putting on another great month of Hopsquatch. I look forward to um, what what's coming up next month. So thanks again, Guy. Thank you so much, Joe. I appreciate the kind words, Gunnar. Thank you so much. That's what Hopsquatch is all about. I just want to make sure that, you know, Bigfoot is in our backyard, even though he's, you know, there's sightings all over the you know, uh, North America, I still feel like the Pacific Northwest is where Bigfoot lives the most. I just want to make oh. sure that uh, we all get together here in the Pacific Northwest and that we're organized. And, uh, you know, to be able to have people like Joe Bielart come by is an absolute treat. And uh, I, as much as I'm, I'm into technology and I love technology and I love the Internet, there's no replacement for being able to meet these people face-to-face. Absolutely. I want to thank Guy very much. He he is he's a little too humble too. He uh, he spent a lot of work on on this this topic that uh, I hope someday he gets a just reward for it. He and I, I was honored that he and Cliff and I both felt and we worked pretty hard on our presentation. However, it turned out today. Uh, it turned out fantastic. Well, we're not great. Anyway. Uh, Thank you very much, Guy, for all you've done, and, and thank you for today. It meant a lot. Uh, well, it's definitely mutual. Thank you, Joe. I appreciate it. Awesome stuff. 
Well, thank you, gentlemen. We're going to wrap up the the. Got a little bit to talk about. We have some uh, um, future Hopsquatch. Uh, actually, Guy has has uh, talked to Shane and I about helping with the uh, with, uh, for lack of a better term, town hall encounters kind of Hopsquatch, and uh, so that's scheduled. We've uh, got that dialed in for the month of July. Um, so we will be looking for folks that have had encounters and want uh, feel good about sharing those. Uh, come to the July Hopsquatch uh, details to follow, of course, always on uh, the, the uh, Bigfoot Lunch Club Facebook page. And uh, uh, I know that uh, Guy will put something together awesome for, for June as well. Um, I know he's got some another couple of uh, of upcoming um, blockbuster uh, events scheduled um, with Robert uh, Powell and and uh, Tom. Right. Uh, Let me plug him in real quick. Robert in October, Powell. Yeah. Tom Powell. Powell is Tom Powell. And Robert Michael Powell <laughs> in much. September. Go ahead. What's that? I just want to plug real quick. In October, we're going to have Tom Powell. He's coming out with a brand new book himself, going a little bit beyond beyond Sasquatch. And then Robert Michael Pyle, a Yale graduate, a real biologist from that graduated from Yale University, and he's a tremendous speaker. So you do not want to miss the September Hopsquatch because it is going to be one of our best Hopsquatches ever because this is going to be an academic from Yale University who's a biologist world-renowned uh, butterfly biologist. You cannot miss September. Please Fantastic. join us in September. Exciting. Fantastic. And and uh, like I said, Shane and I are, are will be uh, filling in as in stepping into some rather large hostess with the hostess <laughs> <laughs> shoes yeah. in July. To, uh, to, uh, we're taking over hop squats, damn it. But uh, yes, it should be a good. Should be a good we'll, we'll try to leave it in good, good working order for you, guy. When you get back in August, I appreciate. So. It. I, and let me know. I'm a little bit of a control freak, so to be able to trust you guys means a lot. And I know you guys are going to do a great job. Uh, we're going to pack the house. Yeah. It's going to be fantastic. I can't wait to uh, be a part of this. It's uh, it, we're going to pack the house. I have no doubt. It's going to be packed, and we're going to uh, bring it and do the. Hop Squatch uh, event um, justice, big time. It's going to be fantastic. I'm really, really looking forward to doing this. Well, I'm looking forward Shane, to being there. Shane does nothing. Shane does nothing half-assed. I just want to tell you. So, <laughs> oh, it's going to be big. It, it, it will. It will be a good event. So, um, I, I really appreciate the the confidence that uh, Mr. Edwards has has. Uh, put upon us so um and we're happy to help out because like you said i it's i find a hop squatch you know was was a, a an awesome thing for me it's like people are out there and and uh you know it's just like the western bigfoot what ray crow did with the western bigfoot society gave uh bigfooters a place to gather and, and share ideas and and uh and learn you know learn from people that like joe that that otherwise you would not have, um, you know, you might run into, but but uh, it's it's just a different format, and and 
I had to, you know, I have had the opportunity to meet Joe, and and he's so humble. And there's people that you know, and everybody that there's different people. People have different ideas of hopscotch, but but it, you know, if you if you don't see eye to eye, it's basically agree to disagree. I've never seen you know harsh words or it. It's just awesome the way that it comes. Guy makes it come together. So. Um, Jane, you, uh, we have some uh, ideas about about uh, the July hop squatch, and we just we just need uh, people with eyewitness stories to to come and and share them, and we'll be reaching out to people and and promoting it as uh, yeah as we I get mean, closer we, to we, the event. But. We already have quite the lineup. I mean, of people that want to talk, and I won't say lineup because I want to make it uh, uh, a real town hall event where people could just stand up and uh, talk about their encounters. Uh, so there's not a real lineup, but there's plenty of interest there. And so it's going to be a really fun event. Uh, it's going to be similar to, like, your Finding Bigfoot events, but different. It's going to be different, uh, different format. Uh, we're not, per se, filming. So it's just to get your encounter, your experience out there um, in a, a very welcoming format without all the hub law. And uh, we'll go from there, but it's going to be exciting. I'm really looking forward to doing this, and guys, giving us the, the open window, the, the opportunity to do this. And uh, I thank him for that, uh, because the hop squash, hop squash events are fantastic. Uh, you know, when I miss them, I feel, uh, I feel uh, butthurt because <laughs> I, I love to make them. I learn a lot from a lot of people, uh, like Joe and um, Cliff. You know, today, uh, fantastic, and so much to be learned and uh shared so please uh keep this on the calendars if you can make it and um another thing i I did want to mention that uh monster x has been uh picked up by late night and midlands uh radio network so uh if you miss the the live recording and you don't uh pick up a recording like we'll share the link on on uh, facebook of of the recording where you can listen to it at any time. It's also uh, played four times a week on late night in Midland, so you can look that up on the Internet. Um, Monster X has a much larger audience than it did a couple weeks ago, so we're pretty excited about that. That's great news. Um, that's awesome. Something else that's kind of really cool is uh, uh, Shannon Legros, formerly of the Sasquatch Chronicles, is coming out with a, a new podcast um, called Into the Fray. She's going to cover, it sounds like, a lot of topics, not just Bigfoot, but a lot of things of uh, uh, mysterious creatures and, and uh, events. And But it'd be something, uh, if you like Shannon on Sasquatch Chronicles, she's got going to have her own show called Into the Fray. She's got a website up. Um, I don't haven't heard yet the dates yet exactly when um, that's starting, but... Uh, I'm sure we'll hear about it um, before it, it takes off. So we wish her well on her new venture. Um, coming soon to, I, I, I don't know if it's going to be ever make it to the theater, but the, the uh, Something in the Woods uh, movie looks interesting to me. I like the trailers. We had Michael on last week. Um, they did had a couple of showings at Ohio this week. Um, so uh, I don't know if that... Um, is going to go straight to DVD or if they'll manage to get it in the theaters. I know that that's a challenge for Bigfoot movies, but 
but I wish them uh, a lot of luck too. So and, um, and, and also the Minerva monster, you know, Minerva monster. What's that? The Minerva, yeah, Minerva monster. monster. Yes, Minerva monster. It premiered actually at the Ohio conference as well. Fantastic film, from what I've heard, uh, and uh, really looking forward to watching that as well. So we got a, a couple of really good uh, future films coming out in the near future, hopefully uh, to the public soon, that have been released at the Ohio conference. Another, yeah, another coup for for uh, Ohio conference um, promoter and organizer Mark DeWert, good friend of of ours, and. Uh, We'll see him at actually at Beachfoot. Um, he was telling me he's, yes. he's going to make it over here for Beachfoot this year. So, um, which is the event that that uh, Todd and Diane put on each year um, in the Coast Range area, and uh, it's become a by invitation only kind of event. So, um, it's fun because I know that uh, we get to meet meet people again that, that that we don't always get to see, and they they come from all over the country to go to Beachfoot. So, very Could cool. I make a, uh, a short note on Beachfoot? You can, yeah. Okay, basically, Beachfoot, get your name on the waiting list and wait your turn and get be there because it is uh, it is the premier Bigfooting event probably, uh, certainly in the United States, probably the world. It's It's fantastic. The people come. They talk. It's very informal, and uh, there's no pretenses to speak of, or hardly any. It's just, uh, it's just a, and a, a, the thing has matured to the point where people kind of have their roles. They know what to do to help. To, uh, you know, when the the kitchen thing, the the speaking thing, the setting up thing, it's just uh, sharing meals. It's just uh, I've been to all of them except for one where my when my dad passed. But even that one, I hauled a whole cord of wood over to the coast, not a cord, but a whole pickup load over to the coast and, and dropped it for them. It's a, uh, it's a, uh, uh, well, I needed to get out of the house, and I'd cut a bunch of wood, so it's no big deal. Um, yeah. Anyway, any, anyway, uh, can't speak enough about uh, Beachfoot. Right. I know we're low on time, but I just have to really quickly second this thing. The reason the the fact that this is an invite only event means that everybody there is super serious about Bigfoot, and so you're surrounded by a hundred other people that are very passionate about Bigfoot and very inclusive. And so I just want to second what Joe said. Um, if you get a chance to find somebody, a friend of a friend that knows how to get an invite to Beachfoot. You will be extremely pleased by the amount of people that you're surrounded with. It's unlike any other Bigfoot event because invitation only, and there's a reason for that, and it uh, basically speaks to the caliber of the people that you're going to be surrounding yourself with all weekend long. Very good. Well, gentlemen, that's all the time we have for uh, Monster X this week. Um, join us next week as we are going to have uh, our first ever, well, recently, encounter show so uh, we look forward to that and uh, it'll give us a little bit of practice for a uh, hop squat in July so uh, thank you everybody for listening to Monster X until next Sunday keep it squatchy ow